In ancient Rome, wine was a basic necessity. Everyone had access to it. Moreover, in his agricultural treaty, Cato wishes to grant 260 liters of wine per year to any slave. We can imagine that the consumption of urban dwellers is probably much higher. The administration also ensured that food, including wine, was always cheap. Thus, wine was accessible to all classes of the population. People drank wine every day at home. It was always going with bread. At banquets, men and women drank during the meal. The guests drank wines of different qualities according to their, of course, social rank. Uh, people could also drink wine in taverns where poor, free slaves or prostitutes live by the si side by side. Taverns were the more, uh, uh, let's say, the favorite spots of the plebe, uh, so drinking, fighting and riots were very common. Many wines from the Roman period were in general sweet and white. On the one hand, we had the production of great wines, and on the other hand, a more local and less famous mass production. Three great wines stood out from uh, the batch. Uh, their names uh, uh, are Falerno, Cecum, and Albanum. Uh, their production was uh, concentrated between Rome and Pompeii, a region where most of the high Roman society used to live. Rome was surrounded by mass vineyards to ensure the consumption of the population at the time. Imagine that Rome at the time was having uh, about one million inhabitants, you know, an enormous number for a city of the antiquity. Wine was therefore a popular drink accessible to all classes of society in ancient Rome. Cut with water, wines were already classified according to their qualities. And today, Italy is still renowned for its production of quality wine, but dating back at that time in terms of production. The most comprehensive account uh, of Roman viticulture uh, is by an author called Columella. In his book called De Re Rustica, which means On Country Matters, uh, that was written around AD 65, he discusses all aspects of uh, uh, the wine production, of course. You know, the best wine, he says, is that one that literally has given pleasure to its own natural quality. Although the pitch that sometimes was used to seal the inside of amphorae, the container, is likely to have dissolved in the wine and imparted a resinous taste. Very important this. By now, viticulture was highly developed and most of the practices about which Columella writes still are in use. Yet, there is no longer the confidence that Cato, that we mentioned some minutes ago, had after the defeat of Carthage about the profitability of wine, imports from the provinces and decrease in the supply of slaves were depressing the market. 
So in AD 77, so a few years later, two years before his death, uh, while observing the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, very interesting, Pliny, Plinio, completed his natural history, Historia Naturalis. In book 14, he uh, reviews the history of wine, its viticulture and vinification. Plinio laments the increased production of cheap wines and the loss of quality vintages. Traditionally, the best wine was reputed to have been uh, uh, Secuban, we mentioned it before, from Latium, the region of Rome. But it no longer existed. The neglected vineyards have been dug up by Emperor Nero for the construction of a canal. Augustus, the, the first emperor, was said to have preferred Setine, uh, although uh, Suetonius, another histor uh, historian, says he was Retic from Verona, northern Italy. So at, those, at that time, the best wine was considered to be, once again, the Falernian. Grown up on the slopes of Mont Falernus, on the border between Latium, the Rome region, and Campania, the Naples region. Next in rank were the wines of the Alban Hills, southeast of Rome, a volcanic area, and Sorrentin and Massic, among others, from Campania, so close to the city of Sorrento. Finally, there was the Mamertin from Messina, so in Sicily, first brought into favor by Julius Caesar, who had it served at public banquets. Uh, but it was Falernian that elicits the most uh, uh, praise, made from uh, a, a, a non-existing anymore grape called Aminian, uh, producing, according to Columella, who, who, uh, that we mentioned before, uh, exceedingly good wine, he called it. And this uh, grape, uh, Aminian, was brought to Italy by a Greek colonist, who first settled at Cume. Cume is the old name of the initial city on the Bay of Napoli, Naples. Pliny says uh, that three types were recognized. Cosinian, which was grown on the higher slopes, and then midway down, Faustian, grown on the estate of Faustus, the son of dictator Sulla, and regarded as the best and most carefully produced, and on the lower slopes, the Falernian. The stillation, we move to another matter, was completely unknown in the ancient world and would not be discovered until, uh, let's say, the early Middle Ages. Yeah. Uh, wine, therefore, was the strongest drink of the Romans. Falernian was full-bodied, firmissima, with an alcohol content as much as 15 or 16 percent. A white wine, it was aged for 10 to 20 years, imagine that, until it was the color of amber. Uh, the fabled vintage of 121 BC was a Falernian, the same year that Opimius was consul and had rebuilt the Temple of Concord. Vintage wines could be kept for such lengths of time because they were stored in amphorae, so clay jugs. These were large tapering to handle clay jars with a narrow neck that was sealed with cork plastered over with cement and held approximately 26 liter or 
let's say, seven gallons. Vines were pruned and tended, and the grapes cut and brought in baskets to be trodden or crushed in the wine press, which the Romans had developed and which produced a second inferior run, like the, uh, the second wine, you know, most uh, uh, wine uh, makers are producing. Uh, dating back, uh, going back to taste, uh, at the time of Augustus, so the, the first uh, 50 years uh, AD, the taste was uh, for strong sweet wines, which meant that the grapes were left to ripen on the vine as long as possible, sometimes until the first frost of autumn. Very interesting, you know, thinking about, for example, the uh, the so-called uh, late uh, uh, harvest wines, so as to concentrate the sugar that could be converted to alcohol. Boiling also reduced and concentrated the must, the frutum or sapa, this was the name, depending upon the concentration, which then was used to provide the necessary sugar for the fermentation of weaker wines or to make others sweeter still. Wine was almost always was mixed with water for drinking. Undiluted wine was considered the habit of uh, provincials or barbarians. The Romans usually mixed one part wine to two parts water, sometimes warm or even, ah, imagine, salted with sea water to cut some of the sweetness. The Greeks tended to dilute the wines with three or four parts water which they always mixed by adding the wine. The intention was to uh, the enjoy the aesthetic pleasure of wines, uh, to be, let's use this word, intoxicated, just enough to have the mind released from inhibition the conversation stimulated. The Campanian coast around Pompeii, that we, uh, we're talking about that be, uh, before, and the Sorrentine Peninsula, Peninsula Sorrentina, were popular with Romans of wealth and fashion, many of whom had, you know, were owning vineyards and villas. Uh, the Greek culture was very strong uh, at the time, and uh, that area was considered the best of Italy. So, uh, what happened? The eruption of Vesuvius destroyed some of the best vineyards in Italy. Growers replanted everywhere they could, at times, even replacing fields sown for grain. By the time Plinio wrote in the first century AD, Iberia, so Spain, was an important producer of wine, and wine first was beginning to be imported from Gaul, so from France, with new vines being planted at Narbonensis in the south, the city of Narbonne in France. So the viticulture would spread northward and new wines introduced that were most suitable to the region. Uh, one uh, which was the Biturica. Biturica is the ancestor of Cabernet varieties. When uh, in AD uh, 212, Caracalla conferred citizenship to on all free inhabitants of the empire, the Constitutio Antoniniana, it eliminated the privilege of cultivating vines, 
that uh, had been the prerogative of Roman citizens, so true Roman citizens, having civil rights. Now, all those in the provinces were permitted to grow wine grapes. In AD 280, the edict which Domitian had imposed almost 200 years earlier was revoked, although it may never have been enforced in the first place. Any restriction on the development of viticulture now were completely removed. And the story still goes on. Bye.